shit. Oh, that was an organic yawn. That's <laughs> that's where I am right now. Hey, everybody. This is Luke, and I'm finally posting another episode of The Rules Lawyers. Um, this is going to be an interview episode that I did with my good friend Diana. This is actually like a long time ago. I had recorded this with her like a few months ago, and this is really right when the uh, big Rona was starting to hit, and um, and it's over now. You know, we're, we're done with it. It's basically done. I I hope. I don't know. I, I think we're all kind of fucking tired of it. So so that's cool. Hopefully we don't die. But there's that. You know, I don't know if I have enough to enough wherewithal to truly speak on this. Basically, uh, Diana and I talk about books an awful lot. And then that's pretty much all we talk about. We loosely, loosely related to Dungeons and Dragons, but this is definitely a very book centric episode, very long winded, which is um, kind of how she and I get when we start yapping about books. Uh, fun fact about them, and I, I mentioned it in the episode, and I have mentioned it previously on episodes, and by them I mean Diana and her husband Dor, uh, I should say Matt. He is one of my old college buds, and I was the one who was the officiant for their wedding. I had completed the ceremony for their matrimony, and that was a good time. And they are actually going to be moving to Dubuque here very soon. I'm actually going to be helping them move into their house, which is only a couple of blocks away from my house, uh, a week from tomorrow, I'm pretty sure. So I'm very excited for that. So yeah, this is just going to be a long-winded interview about books and their effects on us. So um, if you're looking forward for more D&D stuff, I'm going to be doing some more interview-related things. And then the second half of the actual play, which is like so fucking long ago. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, the, not going to talk a lot about D&D today. But we'll, we'll, we'll get... Well, I'm finally cranking some stuff out. I'm finally cranking out some of the good shit that I have built up and I have some other interviews in the works as well. I should also briefly mention that I wasn't able to do a whole lot of editing with this one, mainly because it was just Diana and I talking and I didn't really go through the whole deal. So if there's any big glaring blips and just dirty, nasty sounds at some point throughout the like hour and a half that I didn't listen to or edit, I apologize. Just what, what else do you expect from me? I'm a father. I'm a father of twins. I have shit to do. And uh, at the very end of it, it does get pretty rough because we end up like switching to video so I could see their pets and things. So it's um, at the end, it's going to sound kind of crunchy and kind of gross. So just, um, you know, want, want. But here we go on to the actual episode. I'll leave you with the catchphrase that I always say. Before we go into these, here's Luke wishing you big business and... A healthy harvest. Bye. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. As long as you can hear me. I can hear you as well. I've also started the record immediately. Ooh, solid. I'm like trying to catch my breath. I'm, I got a little worried because I was having a, like a difficult time breathing, but I'm pretty sure it's just because I walked like a few miles with the girls in the stroller up a bunch of hills. And then as soon as I got home, they were like screaming and crying. <laughs> so it was just like a marathon of like trying to, you know, get them fed and settle down and then put them on the bed. And it's been like, what time is it now? Oh, it's been like 45 minutes since I've been down to bed, but I'm still like trying to settle my heart down from all that. 
I mean, it's probably that. Plus, like, if you have allergies like I do, it's, I mean, Texas is awful for them right now, but, like, it's even bad up north. So, I mean, that could, yeah. if you mildly have them. Yeah, and I don't I don't really have them, but I do, like, I've had low-grade asthma since I was a kid, which mm-hmm. is another terrifying, you know, there's, there's other people who should be more scared than me, but I'm a little afraid if I end up catching the Rona and I end up getting it, because then, like, oh, shit, what if my asthma ends up, yep. you know. I, I die as I live having an asthma attack. I know that's literally like one of my fears and my asthmas. Um, I mean, I have really bad allergies. Like my whole family does yeah. and I have asthma, but my asthma is also unfortunately triggered by um, like perfumes and scents. Oh, yeah, it sucks. Uh, be a high school teacher with that is an, <laughs> is an extra added bonus, but um, X body spray induced asthma attack. Um, I have had kids, uh, ooh, actually, the cl- this is tea, the class of 2020 actually sprayed it on, well, they sprayed something on my seat of my class of, in, like, my nice desk chair, oh. and I sat on it, and it was, like, this whoosh of, like, <laughs> and I just had a full-on asthma attack in front of the class. There's, I tell and kids, like, day one, I was like, don't spray it, like, you smell fine, like, if you need to do it, not in the hallway, not in my classroom, very far away from me. And most kids really respect that, but, like, there's always, like, I piss off some kid at something because I hold them accountable, and then they're just, like, the next thing I know, I'm dying. And one time, was this year, it was at the end of a class, and right going into my AP class, and I'm, like, standing at the door just, like, doubled over, literally just struggling to breathe. And my my AP kids are like, who are we going to kill? Who are we going to kill? And I was like, someone just go get me my inhaler, okay? Oh, my God. That's insane. I I, I was going to say maybe you like that might be a brand of like group of children who are assholes but like maybe all children are assholes i don't know uh, also before i forget it eczema attack oh <laughs> uh, that's that's bad but good <laughs> i'm proud of it i'm working on my dad jokes you see oh i mean you are dad status so yeah. there's there's that so whereas i just have bad jokes no matter what <laughs> it's a fine thing oh uh. But so, also, if you hear me yell, it's probably because Zeus is going to try to get on my lap or, like, pull out the cord because he is very close to me. <laughs> so how much does that cat weigh again? Like, 50 pounds, 60 pounds? <laughs> so he, last time we went to the vet a year ago, because they really actually need to go this, like, next couple weeks, uh, he was 16.9 pounds. 17 pounds is overweight. Damn. That's uh, a thick boy. Well, and then I asked the vet, like, point blank, and I was like, hey, is he part Maine Coon, at least? And she goes, oh, yeah, you didn't know that? And Maine Coon's yeah. average weight is about 20 pounds. Sure. So sure. for his breed type, not really. But recently we got a scale, and just for kicks and giggles, I, like, weighed myself and then picked him up, and he's up mm-hmm. to, like, 18 pounds, according to the scale. So, uh, And that's probably because, like, in the three weeks we were gone back in Iowa in the in the summer, or I was gone, Uh our friend would like kind of overfeed them. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure he did it then. And we just are now noticing it, but sure. Sure. yeah. Speaking of Maine Coon. So that like what one, first of all, this is a recording for the rules Lawyers podcast for the, the, the few uh, de- degenerates who still listen to this fucking podcast. But um, so speaking of Maine Coons, also rules Lawyers podcast, we're talking to Diana Dore, Good friend of mine happens to be the wife of an even older good friend of mine, Matt Dorr. Uh, I, I was the one who actually performed their wedding. It was a very fun time. I think I even talked about that coming up like on my yeah. old episodes of the podcast if, it, if people were to 
wherever listen to those. Also, context. I've only met you in person twice. <laughs> was it twice? I thought it was just once. My rehearsal dinner and my wedding day. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I lumped it all together as like one Okay. Yeah. Yeah, on two like two different days. Because well, and yeah. I, I believe you were running around, you and I, roughly around the same time as me, but that was around the time that I was living in Waterloo. And a lot of the like the my what I consider my you and I crew, they were all living like on or near campus. So yeah. I didn't I didn't I didn't meet you back then, which is uh, a shame. But yeah, um yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, typically, obviously, I talk about D&D a lot, but I don't think you have a lot of experience with D&D. Other so... than my initials being D&D. No. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Wait, what's your middle initial? N. Oh, so D&D. Yeah, yeah literally D&D. Well, fucking step up on it, Diana. Roll <laughs> some dice. Matt's trying. He's really trying. I mean, you. yeah, I, I truly think you'd enjoy it. I really do. Um, he got you to play some magic, which is a step in the right direction. Yes, we have. No, stop. Don't eat my brownie. <laughs> it's a cat attempting to eat my brownie. Come on. Just a little. Just, just a little, Mom. God dang it. I'm going to have to go put this away. I had a, I had a thing with the main coon. Oh, yeah, so main coon. I was going in a direction with this. So okay. also with Rules Lawyers, on occasion, I will do kind of weird episodes about books, which I feel Diana and I are going to be talking about Jeez. books more than my typical D and uh, nerd shit. So Maine Coons back to those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ran a one shot and I think I'm going to talk to you about it. Potentially. I, I run a, a bleh, I ran a one shot. <laughs> God, my brain is fucking mush now. I ran a one shot for uh, a very well-known author, Sean and McGuire at the library back in January. And she has like, I think two or three Maine Coons. Oh um, she's like very, very proud of. And that's an author that I feel like you'd really enjoy. I don't think you've read any of her work, though. I know the name enough of like following YA stuff or like yeah. following book. Don't, Zeus. <laughs> okay, come here. <laughs> nope. This, okay. This is just going to be the Zeus. I'm going to interview Zeus and then you can. <laughs> if we would have done like a video call, you would have just seen this cat because he's so used. To, I'm sitting where I do all my work now that we're all work from home and he just like crashes everything all the time and everyone just loves it. They're just like, oh, okay. It's Zeus. <laughs> maybe maybe once we're done with the audio recording, I can pop on for, I just want to, I want to see that the chalk boy. Yeah, he is chonky. Uh, I can see if I can pull hair out. She's definitely just passed out on our bed, but yeah. So you've heard of Shauna McGuire, though. And yes. I, she's done some, I know she's done some like adult uh, fiction stuff, but she's done a decent amount of YA as well. I think Every Heart a Doorway is either like a book or a series that's she's pretty well known for. I haven't read any of it, but I believe that's her like big YA breakout mm-hmm. series. Sounds roughly familiar. I don't know. Yeah. Well, when they asked me to do that thing, because um, I've done a few D&D things, like a decent amount at the library here in town before. And I was actually on a Skype call with Jordy. And you've met Jordy. <laughs> Once. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was, on, I was on a Skype call with him, just like catching up. And I'm like reading my email. I'm like, oh, they want me to run a one shot for Seanan McGuire. And he got like super stoked because apparently he's read some of her books and his wife is like really into her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I've heard that name before. And, like, if you look at her, like, if, when I first looked her up, I got the impression, and I feel like this impression, if I were to tell her this in person, it would piss her off. So I didn't I didn't say this in person. But I feel like she is kind of like Tor Publishing's female YA Jim Butcher, 
if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. Uh, and I just kind of judging by like what her novels looked like and like the, the gist of what they're about. Like, well, she's kind of like the chick Jim butcher, but for like <laughs> YA. And then the more I kind of got digging into her, I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't say that to her. That might piss her off. But yeah. I ended up, re- I read one of her books and it was very good. That's, that's all I know. And she, she has a lot of <laughs> Oh yeah. She, she has a bunch of, uh, a bunch of those cats. Um, I got her to sign my book too, which is, which was fun. Sick. And, yeah. When I ran that Dungeons and Dragons one shot, she used chaos magic to summon a gigantic unicorn. And that was an unexpected turn. But, I, I, you know, everyone that's seemed to enjoy it. I mean, that's pretty sick. I would do that too. But, yeah. I mean, uh, um, it was pretty sick. Yeah. I can't imagine having more than one Maine Coon. Like, Zeus is not a full blooded Maine Coon for sure. He doesn't, like, one of the typical things of Maine Coons is they have, like, these really, like, tufted ears. And Zeus mm-hmm. does not actually have those, but he does have very long, like, ear hair, if that's not weird. Um, but, like, his face and his tail and, like, just how floofy he is um, is definitely, like, Maine Coon, but he's probably just, like, also a mix with, like, a domestic. Mm-hmm. Uh, long or short hair but yeah his it's like having a raccoon just kind of chilling around your house <laughs> that's essentially what it is he's kind of a, just a trash panda because his tail's just so fluffy and it, it also has the rings on it so like i have lots of pictures of him like sitting on our headboard because there's space on it and like it just looks like we have a ra- raccoon just chilling around our house he's either a really big cat or the world's most clever raccoon just infiltrated your house, made you believe I, that he is a cat. I mean, he's about the raccoon size, so yeah, he's. You've seen the pictures now too of oh, like. If he's how got little he's, human, if he's got little human hands, then. <laughs> he doesn't have human hands. He is not a polydactyl cat, even though I would kill for a polydactyl cat. That's a thing. Yeah, a polydactyl cat has an extra. Um, has a thumb essentially. It has an extra. Oh, okay, I've, okay. I've, yeah. I've heard of that. I, yeah. I think you meant straight up they had like little raccoon human. No, that'd be really cats. creepy. Dude, fuck that. That's terrifying. Could you imagine a cat with like, like an opposable thumb? No. It looks like they have mittens. It's. Ki- I think it's kind of adorable, but um, I don't know. I have. I have a former student now. He's a. He's a senior this year. He has. He rescues cats, and he has a polydactyl cat. And he showed me a picture, and it was the cutest thing ever. <laughs> so cute. Now, now if we can get a pterodactyl cat, and now that's something I want. Would that be like a three-legged polydactyl cat? I was more thinking like a cross between a pterodactyl and a cat. That would be terrifying. It's got reptilian wings. No, I mean you could make. Could you make that a D and D character? I feel like you could. I, I could make it a, a monster for sure. Yeah, for sure. I was like, there we go. We can spin that into something else. There you go. There's um. There, there's your. There's our our required bit of D and D, and then we can start talking about just. Uh, fantasy books so i mean i, I was gonna say i was like matt and i have actually had a recent conversation of like him trying to get me into D and he was like yeah let's just let you base it off your favorite book characters and i was like yeah oh, okay so that's one thing that i was even thinking about for like shit we can talk about and mm-hmm. so all right here's the deal you're gonna you're gonna kill me you are going to kill me so for some context diana was very generous and gave me a copy of so it's throne of glass is the name of the book right yeah and yeah. the whole series is called Throne of Glass then. Okay, that, and I was confused on whether or not it was the whole series or it was just the, the first book. But So yeah. she gave me the first, the first issue of that series. I read half of it. I truly was enjoying it. And then I started – I think I started reading it. And then I, I think, also yeah. started – I think I also started rereading the Song of Ice and Fire series, which is arguably my favorite. And then by the time that was all done, my girls were born and I was in Iowa City and, and blah, blah, blah. So then I kind of like – so that all being said, I straight up forgot – 
the main character's name. What is her name? Okay, so her she oh Jesus um she has multiple. Let me put it this way. Um, if so, the, in the first book, her name is Aileen, spelled A E L I N. Um, I think I spelled that right. I can turn around and grab my copies because I'm right in front of my bookshelf. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so she has that name, but she also goes by Selena in one of the books, and she also has a bunch of other aliases because she's an assassin. And mm-hmm. then. Actually, I think Aileen is her name in another, is like later in the series now that I'm forgetting it. But I've like, I've, I'm of course like seven books deep into this series, which is over now, actually. It is officially done. Mm. And I cried. It was fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, she has multiple names. So I think in the first book it is Selena, though. Okay. How many uh, books are in the series? Okay. So not counting the novellas that uh, go before and that are. Um, their own book, which is called The Assassin's Blade. There are all one. Oh, shoot. I literally have to count this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, seven. And one of them is like book five and a half. It's actually not quite the sixth book, but everyone just counts it. Like the whole fandom just counts it as the sixth book. So We've got like a Lion King one and a half situation going on. So I follow the author on social media and she's really, really fun. She's actually really fairly young too um but Mm -hmm. she started writing it the five and a half book as a like because one of the characters like leaves in one of the books and so she started writing just like a little novella about like okay this is what happens to him to try to like tie how it's gonna go into the final book and then she just couldn't stop writing Mm. and so she it's it's a pretty long book actually it's like 400 plus pages um she was like yeah i intended it to be like 100 or 200 and then you know it ended up as this and it's actually a really great addition to the series it helps explain and like flesh stuff out some more it sounds kind of like a a george r R. martin but actually finishes the stuff they claim they're gonna finish yeah she is pretty intense of like so she, she has two main book series and then she actually just came out with well, she wrapped up the first two series, and then there's a new series that just came out that I actually have not read yet because I've been told I can't buy any more books until we move. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was not a me directive. So she has like this third one now, but she was actually writing two completely different series, and one would be published in May, and the other would be published in September. So every year she was publishing two books from two completely different series. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, wow. Yeah. Um, and like, you... producing novellas and produ- like and book tours. And I was just like, do you stop? Are you familiar with Brandon Sanderson at all? No, I am trying to think. Yeah, well, Brandon Sanderson, he's a pretty popular contemporary like fantasy sci-fi writer, and he's got a he's got the same thing going on where he cranks out like he's got a, so he's got his main like big nerd series, but then he's also got a couple of other series, and he cranks out like one book at least per year and he's got like three series going on he's been doing it consistently for the past like 10 years or so um there might be some sanderson nerds out there who i'm sure they know a lot more than i do but i've read all of his like main uh they call it the cosmere series like the 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 main overarching thing i haven't read any of his like other tertiary books but um they kind of got that same vein going on and uh i wish that like Martin, who I, I absolutely adore and love, I wish he can just like, you know, I, I, this is just a, this is real low hanging fruit and he gets his criticism all the time. But if he can just fucking like get off his ass and just crank out a couple of books, I'll be everyone will be very happy. OK, I have not read George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire. I'm going to say this now. 
but um, I know Matt has and stuff. And we've had this debate of like, is he even going to finish it? And I was like, no, probably not. Cause he's had this, he's had so much success coming from the TV show and he's had so much more book publishing. There's really no incentive for him to finish the book. Oh, no. The, there's no, there's incentive. absolutely none. And I think he just doesn't care. And I think he expected to die. So like, already. <laughs> so he's just like, eh, I'll just kind of wait here. Like there's absolutely no, like in terms of like money or anything, there's no incentive. There's no true incentive other than him, like wanting to leave a legacy, you yeah. know? Yeah. Cause I mean, he, you know, he he might have a contract with the publishing company and be like, oh well, George, you broke your contract. You got to pay us more money. Oh shit. Well, I'll I'll sell one more Funko Pop line and I'll fucking pay for it. M- meanwhile, I'm you know running around in a Zorb in the Bahamas. Like he doesn't give a shit. Um, yeah. I I do I like to hold out hope only because I want it to be true that he will finish it before he dies. Otherwise, there's really no like there's no author currently that I think would be a good fit to finish it. Um, because uh, you know who Robert Jordan is, right? Wheel of Time and all that jazz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when he died, Brandon Sanderson is the one who, who I mentioned before. He finished that series after Jordan died. Mm-hmm. Um, and from I've never read The Wheel of Time. I don't really want to read The Wheel of Time. I've, I, I haven't heard very like encouraging theme, things to like actually do it. But from what I understood, Sanderson did a really good job of wrapping it up. Like Most people seem to agree that it was a, a pretty good job. And I like let's say Martin were to die – Someone needs to finish up Winds of Winter and Dream of Spring and then like Fire and Blood 2 and the three more Duncan Egg novellas. I don't know if anybody could actually do it to the degree that that Martin yeah. has set the bar to right now. So I'll be really fucking bummed if he just doesn't do it. I mean, I can definitely see that. I think like Matt's just accepted that unless like he actually does, then he'll finish the rest of the series. And I have another good friend who was, you know, not here too long ago. And she was telling me the same thing of like, she's like, I gave up on that until like either it's finished or just like, she's like, he just started annoying me and she just rage quit the rest of the series essentially. So, yeah. So did Matt, so Matt read Song of Ice and Fire? I didn't know that. Yeah, Matt's read them and we own them. I'm trying to think if they're on our bookshelf or not. We have one bookshelf in our house and it is not big enough at all and it's like started to spread throughout the house oh yeah and then i, I still have like a whole bunch of books at my dad's house that he's like can you come and take your books i need the bookshelf space <laughs> so i was like dad my dad has over 20 bookshelves oh god that's like my dream house so I, yeah sorry repeat that i was talking over you oh i was gonna say i was like do you want me to contextualize why I read so much? Because it's insane. Like, I think yeah. that would be interesting. Okay, I've told you a little bit about this. Um, but both my parents grew up... My mom was a farm kid, and my dad was just... Um, my grandfather was a lawyer, actually. But, you know, they were born in the 59 and 60s, and so they didn't have TV because it was so expensive and all these things, and they read a lot. And their parents didn't get TVs till closer into the 70s. And even then, they didn't like them, and they just read a ton, a ton. My dad does not read any fiction at all, actually. Mm-hmm. He, he hates, that. Yeah, he thinks it's lower. Well, my grandma made them think it was lower than them. But <laughs> my mom is just this huge reader, and my grandma was too. And I think my first book I read was Hop on Pop, and I was like four, three or four. I was really young, and I read it by myself. Oh, um, that's Dr. Seuss, right? Yeah, and uh, Theodore Geisel. Um <laughs> But my that was like at a Hawkeye football game too. My grandma taught me how to read, and I've just never stopped since then. And it was the one thing my parents would never like. If you asked for money for buying books or like something, my parents would never say no. Like they'd be like, "Okay, you have this much money on the book fair, or you have this much money from book orders. How, what Man. do you want?" 
Book and, fair and book orders. That just oh, kicks yeah. some dopamine right into my fucking brainstem. Oh, that's oh, I love that shit so yeah. much. I think my brother and I literally had like $20 for each one or like you had a, you just had a certain amount or like you could use your allowance if you wanted extra or if you didn't want any like mom would pay for it. Like she mm-hmm. never said no to reading and she read um, a lot to us when we were kids when all the I remember her reading Harry Potter to us as we were little kids in between my brother and I's bedrooms and she'd do voices and she'd do all these things my mom loved to do that um, she read like Adventures of Tom Sawyer she read like classics to us Aesop's Fables she read everything to us and we never would get told to put down the book and stop reading like we would get told to get off the TV yeah that's very cool so like and if you just left the book on the table she'd pick it up and she'd start reading just to see like double check to make sure it's age appropriate and all that mm-hmm. but um because we had that at home like both of us actually both my older brother and I actually got in trouble a lot at school for just reading all the time <laughs> but you know my mom would always go to bat and she'd be like are they done with their work and just teachers would be like well yeah but and my mom's like then why are you yelling at them like yeah, yeah. they're quietly reading and yeah, what is exactly. it I, do you, oh, this is going to be another kick in the dopamine. Do you remember, like, accelerated reading or, like, AR? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Do you remember getting, like, the points for it? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you know all the, like, did your teachers do, like, rewards or your school do rewards? No, it was just, like, you had to meet a bare minimum, and most uh, kids my age would just do bare minimum. I know they did a lot of cheaty ways. They would do, like, did you have a computer system that if you were to, like, answer quizzes, Quizzes based off the books, then it would, yeah. if you, yeah, okay. So but that's the that. AR thing, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, and I know, like, my one buddy, Jimmy, he hated reading. So he, like, he, you know, it, uh, I think, like, in seventh or eighth grade, when we were still doing this, he would read a bunch of, like, Magic Treehouse books and then just take all the quizzes and do, like, 20 of them and get them all done the last day they were due. But meanwhile, I'm, like, reading a Dan Simmons book. Yeah. And they didn't, ha- they didn't have any Dan Simmons, like, quizzes because it was meant for, like, adults. Mm-hmm. And I had to like write an essay on it because there was no quiz for it. Yeah, I had to do that a lot too. But like, oh, so side note, please don't ever let your girls read Magic Treehouse. I will, as their unofficial godmother aunt, slap those out of their hands because they are so poorly written. They do not need to be exposed to that. I love, I love Magic Treehouse. But the sentence structure and crap is so bad and they absorb that. <laughs> yeah, but but it was fun but, though. I, I'm not saying it's not fun. I'm just saying there's better options now. Ah. Ah. Come on now, I'm going to shove, like, Little House in the Prairie and, like, Anne of Green Gables when they're in, like, third and fourth grade, because that's, that's what I was reading. And those no, are, like, great fine. books. Um, I, think no, but- I think it's worth mentioning real quick that, I mean, the, the loose plan, I know COVID has really been kicking everybody in the dick lately, but <laughs> you and Matt are supposed to be moving to Dubuque in, like, the relatively near future. Yeah, like, in a couple months. Exactly. And I know like me and uh, me and Matt went and checked out a house that he wasn't like terribly fond of, but like it was right up the street from me. There was one house that I went to um, an open house the that day that sold. <laughs> yeah, it did. I saw that people were moving out of it. I knew that it sold. This is my then, favorite house. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it, but the basement was kind of weird. Yeah. I know that I know that Matt wasn't a huge fan of some things, but there's the one that I checked out off of Pennsylvania that I thought was like awesome, except the driveway was a real, real pain in the ass. Oh, no, no, no that one. That oh, was that, one we really liked, and that one sold too. Oh shit! Oh, I, I knew that one. That one was gonna get snagged up quick, no matter what. That was so nice. But um, with, with all that being said, uh, you know, I'm assuming that once all the shit dies down, you'll be coming out here, uh, and I would very much like you to be a 
a book reading presence in my daughter's <laughs> lives. That sounds like a very cool okay. thing that I actually want to happen. Well, it's going to be that. I'm going to be the fun out, fun aunt with who bust out all my cookie cutters. Of my <sighs> like probably 300 plus cookie cutters of like, <laughs> I have like a running joke with people that I collect three things. Like, I don't even think books counts, but I have so many books. Um, I collect like books. I collect cookie cutters, which is was unintentional. Um, and I have decorative tea towels that I use a lot. That's like my three things that like people now just buy me. But I also have like, um, oh man, I, I'm gonna say this too. I love my mother-in-law. She's awesome. She is the worst enabler of my like tea towel and cookie cutter problem. And then she also bought me like I think like twelve things of sprinkles for my birthday. Oh So wow. like your daughters will be spoiled. Hey, that's that's fine. That means yes. less money that I have to spend on them, so that's okay. Exactly, and you know, you got built-in babysitters once we move there. Of like, you know, once Matt and I get, oh, here, we'll take your children. I that is can't. very that yes. I, I you have expressed uh, your displeasure for poop, and I, I'm sorry. There's two of them, <laughs> and they and they do poop. Yeah, you know, that's gonna be Matt's problem. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably hearing this. Like, I don't know what my problem is now. You hear that, buddy? You take, you got a couple of poopy butts. <laughs> Come on here. Maybe we'll take them uh, on their like potty train, and so like I have to deal with that less, or like oh, we'll see. I mean, that's that's a few years down the road though. It, whenever my brother comes over, which in the days gone, in the before times, you know, before the the plague of our generation, he would get like grossed out when they spit up a little bit. I'm like, buddy, that's fucking nothing. Like, oh god, they spit up on me. I'm like, Tony, there's like two drops of like. No, that's nothing, man. That is nothing. Try having projectile vomit on your face two times in a day. It's that would yep, nope. Mm, mm-hmm. Again, I have also said this to you of like you make me like reconsider this whole like kids thing. Like you you, you know, don't sell I'll, this well. You no, know, I'll I'll tell you how it is, man. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you straight up like what it's like. And you know, again, I, I I say this not like I don't want people to think that I dislike them or that i don't want them I, you know, blah 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 dis- disclaimer i love them in my whole world but i wish someone gave me the god's honest truth of what the fuck it was gonna be like uh because like th- not only were they in the the nikki which was a you know a real humdinger in and of itself but mm-hmm. just you know they, they were both fairly fussy they weren't terrible but they're fussy and they're spitting up and trying to find the right formula because breastfeeding wasn't really going good and you know yeah so that's a total side tangent from books or whatever but you know yeah if if you want to know what it's like i'll i'll tell you so yeah actually like if for being like the reading presence in your kid's life my parents have donated um well not my just my dad but um my parents donated all of our like little kid like plasticky toys when we were I mean, probably preteens just because they're like plastic is not going to hold up by the time we mm-hmm. were looking at having kids, but they kept all of our books actually. Nice. So we have, um, this is one of the 20 bookshelves. Actually, I also want to say 20 is probably like a wrong number now. Cause my dad has cleaned out and like added some and like gotten rid of some and we've acquired more books. So that might be <laughs> either more or less than that, but there's a lot. Um, but we have one that's just just like little kid picture books and stuff. Wow. And then we have the like early elementary books. And then we have into uh, like the preteen teenagers and then YA, which I'm still a fan of YA. So a lot of my YA is, you know, with me. Um, 
and like gets added to a lot. And we actually even have like a bunch of my parents' books too that they've held on to. So um, I mean, the whole family's copy of Lord of the Rings was my mom's copy from the 1970s that now has like. <laughs> Oh, it has the the Tolkien original artwork on it. Oh, that's so fucking cool. Oh, I um, love it. But my mom used to read them, you know, start with The Hobbit and then read all the way to Return of the King every, like, every other year or so. Mm-hmm. And so they got destroyed. And she did this up until my brother and I were kids. And then my brother read them as a teenager. And then I read them as a young adult teenager. I think I finished Return of the King my freshman year of college. Sure. And uh, they have, like, no covers at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we bought her a new set. And she didn't like it because it had... Um, oh, shoot, what's his name? He did a bunch of the... He was an art consultant on the series, on the movies. It's I Alan something or other. It's not... Yeah. I, I'm blanking on the name. But, like, it's really nice cover art. But she's like, it's not the same. And I was like, Mom, it was $200 to get her, like... <laughs> edition you had again i was like i'm not buying you that and i was like because you're going to destroy them she was like, but it's not the same i was like okay so that is very yeah. cool i yeah I, I very much um i'm looking forward to you being aunt diana and uncle Gore <laughs> being a, a good positive literary force in their lives i should also mention with um with tolkien i i don't know if i've ever told you this but i've read the hobbit and the silmarillion and i've never actually read the the actual lord of the rings trilogy Really? No, I, I, I'm not. I, I, one day I want to, and I love The Hobbit, and I also love The Silmarillion. I think The Silmarillion is badass. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so cool. I don't know if you've ever dipped your toe into it, but there's so many cool badass moments in it, like some real high fantasy shit, like done super well. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I'm, you know, I, I just got a backlog that I'm trying to work on. That one day I'll get to the actual, the, the big three. But. Yeah. Um, uh, for for the big three, you'd have to reread The Hobbit, which wouldn't be hard because it's not eh, very long. I, I got a copy like, of that. Yeah, but um, I uh, this this goes with the movies too. So we're probably gonna get into books, movie adaptations too. Lord of the Rings series, pretty solid. Uh, mm-hmm. book to movie adaptations. Eh, I, I do not. The Hobbit. Don't get me started on how fucking awful that is because it is an abomination and I hate it. Book wonderful, written for like a seventh grader. Mm-hmm. It's a good like kids book and that's how Tolkien intended it. The movie absolute garbage needs to be burned. Yeah. Forgotten exists. Yeah, I remember uh, when I when it first came out, I saw it before I. So when those were coming out, that was before I had actually read the book. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And then I saw them like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like a fun romp, whatever. And then I read the book and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, now I see why people are pissed. And, and I'm pissed, too. <laughs> I was okay before and now I'm pissed. So my mom, my my mom's whole family, like my all my aunts and uncles are huge Tolkien nerds. Like multiple of them have read The Similarillion. Mm-hmm. My mom read it. I think that's why I hadn't because we purchased a copy when I was in college and I just never got to it because... I was a history major in college, so I just read all the time, like, for class. But um, my mom took us when we were kids, because I was pretty little, to all of the Lord of the Rings movies as they came out. And so when The Hobbit came out, we were like, okay, we have to do the same Mm. thing. And both my brother and I, at least I think he did, took a mythology course in high school where we actually, like, analyzed the mythological influences of Norse onto um, The Hobbit. And so it was really cool for us. Very cool. But... The movies were garbage. My mom almost walked out in the middle of the second movie. She refused to go to the third. I think she almost, yeah, she was like, really didn't want to go to the second. We're like, come on, mom, we got to try. We got to do, no, she like straight up almost walked out. Like, yeah. she was like, this yeah. is disrespectful. The third one was, 
was easily the worst one. I mean, like, again, this is the the lens of me watching these movies, having never actually read uh, The Hobbit at this point, or the, um, or the, what am I trying to say? I've never read, at that point, I had never read, and still haven't read the main three, but at that point, I also haven't read The Hobbit. But I had read The Silmarillion a lot. <laughs> anyway, uh, I saw the first one, and I'm like, you know, that's this seems all right. I'd seen the previous movies, and like, it's, it's fun. It's fine. And the second one was cool because then you got Smog kind of doing his thing. And the, the big action sequence was like, you know, it, me having not read it, I didn't know any better and I thought it was fine. But then, even then I got to the third one. And I'm like, holy shit, this is this is just wrong. You got Legolas in there for no reason. And he's hopping around on these like stones like the Matrix. And it's it did bug me. I don't even remember if I watched the third one or if I did. I've just like blanked it out of my memory because it was like that horrific to me. I also really didn't like that they added like uh, the blanking out her name now, but the female elf. Yeah. Because know, Evangeline, it, Evangeline Lilly played her and I, I like her as an actress, but yeah. I forget the elf's name. But like it, my thing is there are no, I mean, I'm going to say this as a historian also too. In both The Hobbit and Return of the King, or not Return of the King, um, even though Return of the King is my favorite for context, uh, <laughs> any of the Lord of the Rings series, there's not many females just because of how who J.R.R. Tolkien was and how he was raised. Of like, There just wasn't this large female presence in anything. I think there's about five female characters, five, six, in all of the Lord of the Rings like book series. And yeah. in... Um, they cut out a couple of them for the movies just because, like, you didn't need, like, Tom Bombadil's wife. Exactly. Uh, and, and just Unfortunately. Because, I, I would have loved to see Tom Bombadil in there, but... That, Tom Bombadil is my mom's favorite, so she was, like, livid when they cut that out. She was absolutely freaking livid. It is, it is pretty lame. Tom Bom- I mean, again, I haven't read the main three, but Tom Bombadil's dope. I know a lot about him. Yeah, Tom Bombadil's great. He's just this, like, but he's just this little thing in the first book, if you read the, when you read the books. But, like he's not but it's very important and then it also if you read the similar really and it makes more sense mm-hmm. but um and then his yeah. wife is like fucking buttercup or some shit i forget yeah, her name. i can't remember her name gold I, I think it might have been yeah it's something gold that's why i'm like thinking of it that that's the way but um yeah it was just weird and i don't like the hobbit i love the book i hate the movies Love the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, even though I do, they are to me a separate entity than the books. They are yeah. pretty similar. If you want more towards the books, you have to go to the, like the extended editions, mm-hmm. which my brother owns and my one of my other really good friends, um, Marina owns. And so we'll all get together and like watch them all together and you know nerd out. And my brother and I can't watch one specific scene with each other because you know it's the saddest scene. Mm-hmm. In, Ever, especially if you have a sibling and you're just like, uh, I can't watch this. <laughs> um, but I hate, I think this is getting back around to my point. I don't like the Two Towers book or movie. Really? Yeah, which is funny. It's it's Matt's favorite. I think it's my brother's favorite too. My favorite's Return of the King and like that. I think I like parts of Two Towers. I like the Rohirrim. They're probably my favorite. Um, this Battle of Helm's Deep. Sick, cool, great. Mm-hmm. But you also have to remember uh, the whole like Frodo and Sam going into Mordor part that's in the Return of the King movie is actually at the end of the, the Two Towers book. Sure. So it's different, and like that's the part that I, I I'm not a huge Frodo fan or say, like yeah, just whiny and annoying. I'm just like, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. 
I, I, I loved the second movie only because Ents are my favorite. I love the Ents. Treebeard is my boy. I think they're fucking awesome. And I love their little, like, shout-out they get in the Silmarillion. Yeah. Um, and, so, and then when they, when they start kicking ass, it just gives me a, <laughs> yeah, you I know, think, a good feeling. I mean, the Ents are, of course, awesome. Like, there's so many just really cool, like, awesome Lord of the Rings things I could, like, dive into of like this is so freaking cool and especially mm-hmm. if you know where this comes from mythology because i'm a huge mythology nerd too probably goes with my first name of like all these things and i like two towers because it introduces my two favorite characters but their story arc really gets big in return of the king but unfortunately in the movies also my two favorite characters are like pretty small so it's who would those be uh faramir and eowyn okay yeah. I think, yeah. you know, you got this really strong woman who's, like, kind of defying the characteristics of it. And then, you know, you have this logical, like, man. So I think it, I like it because it breaks the, like, stereotypes, especially from, again, mm. the era that... It's refreshing from uh, from Tolkien from back in... Um, like when yeah. You that, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's really cool. So it's um, interesting. Yeah, Tolkien is just, like, a really cool thing. I got very... My senior year of high school, I did, like, a whole... Um, I took my mythology class and I created it into something else because I was a gifted, talented kid. Mm-hmm. And I like made it into this composition writing class. So I analyzed, because we had analyzed The Hobbit in mythology, I analyzed uh, the, the Lord of the Rings series and uh, Tolkien's mythological perspective on it. And then, of course, you know, I'm a history nerd. So I got into the background of like who Tolkien was, why he was, how he was raised, how it impacted his writing, um, how his like, participation in world war one uh, mm. definitely heavily influences writing and all that stuff which that's a really cool thing but do you ever, did you ever see that biopic of him that came out not, I did ago? not i didn't either I, I heard it wasn't great which is a yeah, bummer, I, I, was, it was... I was stoked for it but apparently it wasn't all that awesome well his son hated it yeah i heard that too but his son's now recently passed away. Like he the did. Tolkien estate has just been a pain for everyone to deal with about well, Tolkien you, stuff. You want to know? What, you want to know a fun thing that the Tolkien estate's been a pain for was Dungeons and Dragons, as you can imagine. Really? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you can imagine that. Um. So when D and D first started out, it was a very small company that Gary Gygax and like um David Arneson started. They they took heavily from Tolkien. You know. Uh, one second. Yeah, JC's stopping around and making sure she, I can, I'm going to edit this out later when Jason's stopping. <laughs> but so they, they took, they took a lot from Tolkien, as you can imagine. Cause back then that was like, it, what, what are the only real, like big fantasy books you could really get your hands on? Uh, one of the player character, Oh, headphone fell out. One of the player character races that you could play as was uh, then called a Hobbit, but the Tolkien estate sued them for using that. So they had to change it to halfling. And that's why everything's a halfling. Now there's no hobbits. Uh, there's also no ents in D and D they're called treants. Um, but obviously you can, you can use dwarves and elves and stuff. Cause they're a little more like public domain, I assume, but some yeah. of the more specific things like they used to have Balrog demons, but now they're called Balors. So yeah, no, they, they, uh, the token estate really spanked, uh, Gary Gygax for a lot of stuff. I'm not surprised, but I'm also like, it's really interesting because that wasn't actually J.R.R. Tolkien himself doing that. That was his like son who recently mm-hmm. passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just like, he was pretty aggressive with their, 
with their estate. Yeah, and protecting his dad's memory and, like, not even publishing a lot of, like, books. And I've seen that happen in multiple, like, book series of, like, you know, an author passes away and someone has to do it. And then someone gets, like, booty heard about it. And I was like, I just have this issue of, you know, how do you know it's what they wanted unless they expressly said it? And he was like, well, it's my dad would have wanted. And I was like, can I see that in writing? Like, (laughs) that's the, like, I'm a lawyer's children part of me is like, "Mm, can I see that in writing? But... Exactly. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. It is interesting. I'm trying to think of other like fun like D and D callbacks to like Lord of the Rings. Obviously, there's a lot of it, it, when you think of standard fantasy and standard like Western fantasy and like D and D, like real baseline vanilla D and D. It's basically just Lord of the Rings, which is which is great. Like, and and if you like that, I think you truly would enjoy playing some D and D. And like maybe one day if if I find some time and it's uh we're still under quarantine. I can have you and Matt and some people do like a Skype or a Google Hangouts roll 20 thing. Yeah. Matt does a, he has one every Wednesday. I think it is. Yeah. So, and they're going to in like, um, yeah. And, all and his brother. Yeah. He's yeah. thought of trying to do one where like, they're trying to get me and my, uh, Liz, my sister-in-law to do it too, of like, um, playing it. And I was like, well, as long as, you know, I can kind of like pick and choose what I want. Matt was like, yeah, I really don't care. So there's that. I've because Matt has a lot of like the monster books and other stuff. There is really, really also have a lot heavy mythological influence on a lot of stuff because that again is you don't have to fight people that's public domain or Mm -hmm. there's um, some really interesting things or just very basic like sci-fi fantasy um, type things. Which I mean, if you get to the story of history of that, that's super interesting they had also um they also they they actually did this a lot and it's it's ironic because um when people started copying off of dungeons and dragons back in the day uh, the people who were at the time it was tsr they got really pissy and started suing everybody for uh for plagiarism uh but they just blatantly stole shit from people all the time themselves so obviously there was the, the tolkien issue but they also had come out with a couple of products that were um just straight up they took I, they took IP from HP Lovecraft. They took yeah. a, a shitload of Cthulhu things and they got, they had to like reprint a shitload of books because they included all these things without asking for permission. And um, yeah, no, they, they did that a lot. It's, but there, of course there's a lot of public domain things. And then there's a handful of like D and D specific created creatures that are uh, really only appear in like a, a Dungeons and Dragons product. But of course you got your dragons and your dark elves and, what have you yeah there's a lot of like really basic things that you can have in that and i was like and i've learned some from like playing magic with matt that one time too i didn't realize in at least magic matt has a de- deck that has a lot of like angels in it and i didn't mm-hmm. realize how that influenced which is interesting too because i think if because there's a, actually another book series that's popular and i'm actually rereading one of them right now um that has like this race of like half human half angels and they're like demon fighters it's the shadow hunter series um by cassandra clare she's got three four separate series now she just came out with the fourth one of it but um that could cause problems because she got caught someone else was like you copied from me and i was like she was like um my book was published like two years before you wrote anything so no. <laughs> but um you know, serious you... allegation to start throwing around yeah it is really serious and people like especially in the age of the internet like Mm -hmm. you see like i've seen it in fandoms and stuff of like oh you can't do it you can't be original and i was like nothing is really original anymore so you gotta be real creative if you want to come up with a a fresh idea but yeah 
Um, uh, and that's probably why I like Sarah J. Mass, so the Throne of Glass series, because it is mm-hmm. pretty darn original. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and um, with that being said, I was I, I was gonna make this point before when I even brought up, uh, and again, I already forgot her name, Celine, the main character's Selena, name. Selena. Yeah. Selena. So, like, if you wanted, like, if you wanted to play um, some, uh, like, if you wanted to play her in D and D, I could think of like a character build for her because her her she's an assassin, but she does like like a dual weapon kind of thing right like two blades so she can do about anything um yeah. if you get later into the series you also can i, can I spoil it this for you just a little bit that's all it's fine yeah okay she has fire magic because she's part Ooh. fairy okay um which is which is a huge revelation and so like she also has that too but it was because matt, matt and i actually had this conversation of like hey if we play a D game and i was like well can i base it off like two of my favorite one of my two favorite characters um i think he said because we were even like trying to figure out like where would they align on like the chaotic neutral or evil or mm-hmm. whatever of that and he was explaining that to me a little bit this is a five-hour car ride <laughs> it's a very <laughs> long day um and i think he said it would be easier to do her because she's an assassin yeah more so and you can just kind of like do that one which would be a really sick character to play because i love like assassin and spy movies too so like sure for me that's awesome but the um other main character of the other main book series by sarah j mass is just like a hunter and then she turns in she has like way too many magical powers and like (laughs) yeah it's hers is a little bit more complex but she's actually my more favorite character the one who's more complex but okay well and we're at the point now with the current edition of Dungeons and Dragons where they have so many race options and classes and subclasses that you could play that you could almost fit. Like if you're trying to emulate some sort of character from like a book or a, or a mm-hmm. pop culture or a TV or a comic or whatever, you could basically replicate them in any fashion. And of course you can always just tweak it to customize it to, you know, maybe you don't want to make, make a carbon copy of uh, some character. You yeah. can just, you know, tweak it or do whatever you want to do. Uh, like, there, there are definitely options for like a part fey uh, player character. There's definitely like assassin. It's a it's a pretty you know rogue assassin is a pretty big thing. Uh, like dual weapon fighting, big thing. Fire magic, you can easily dip some fire magic into there too. So if you yeah. straight up wanted to make Selena, you could make Selena. I mean, it'd be pretty sick. Except you know, she definitely annoys me in the book series. <laughs> you get off with it because we're just like, God dang it. <laughs> Yeah, I get what I promise. I swear to God, one of these days I'm gonna finally just pull the trigger and read the last like, what, 300 pages, 200 pages that I have left. I will just buy you the audiobook for it of this rate. I mean, also you're working from home and you're quarantined. You have no excuse. Like, well, I also have twins that I take care of almost. Like, I, I don't want to say solo because there's days when Lily does help me, but when she works nights, it's just basically me taking care yeah. of the girls. So yeah. I'm like, just get you the audiobook. The girls yeah. won't know. It'll be fine. Yeah, that, that is true. Um, there's something else I was going to mention too. Um, oh, you mentioned someone being part angel. You can be part angel. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a race. If you wanted to be an ASMR, that's a thing. Um, dipping back into what you said about like being a history major, I really, really think, and I am by no means in a position to like tell you what books to read because I, I haven't finished the book that the one book you want me to read yet. <laughs> You but, shop. <laughs> but like um if, if you wanted like, you could really really nerd out on the song of ice and fire books like i i truly believe that would be right up your alley like it martin does such a good job of pulling really fun 
inspiration and reference to real life history and real life mythology and legend, but tweaking it in a way that it's fresh and original, but also recognizable. Um, but then he also writes a lot of it from like, you know, obviously there's his, uh, the, the main five, hopefully seven before he dies, but the main actual books of the series, they're all like a, a POV from a character in the world. But then sometimes he has like a book where it's, um, I, there's two books that come to mind that they are, they're presented as if they are texts in the world written by maesters, which are effectively like professors of uh, yeah. history. You've probably seen, you've seen the show, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay, so you know you, I'm you pretty know late in the series. Yeah. You know what a maester is. So like, Fire and Blood and The History of Ice and Fire are both books that are written from the point of view of a maester. And he does fun little things where they're, for the most part, it's fairly reliable, but it's, he still plays around with uh, the unreliable narr- narrator with that pretty well. Yeah. And um, it's fun when you consider, like, if you read The, wor- uh, the World of Ice and Fire, uh, it's written from the point of view of a maester who's a Lannister loyalist. So he, he's tweaking things that happen where, like, you know that in the main series, that didn't happen that way. But he's making it seem in a brighter light because Joffrey's king at this point. Or no, Tom, I think Tommen's king at this point when he's writing it. But, yeah, uh, yeah he, he does a lot of fun things like that. I think you truly enjoy it. But again, so, I, I'm committing to, like, a, a big a big thing because there's a lot of it. Yeah, and my thing is, too, is, like, I'm just going to wait to see if they, like, actually finish or they don't because like yeah. i hate reading series in progress unless they're like being churned out fast like my favorite author sarah J. Mass, she turns them out you know when she was writing the throne of glass series it was literally like a book of year i have the first edition i even have like a really weird cover of one because i got it in 2012 2013 right after it came out and um you know the series finished in 20 it came out a month before our wedding in 2018 Mm-hmm. So she produced six books plus extra novellas in that time. So like that I appreciate because, you know, I'd have enough time to read it and reread it and reread the next one before it came out. Whereas like we we grew up in the era of like Lemony Snicket. Right. I outgrew Lemony Snicket real fast just because like I didn't want to sit around and wait for the books the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like I got really bored, which sad Matt loves, you know, series of unfortunate events. I'm not super into it, but going back to like uh, the George R. R. Martin stuff. So I have two things. One, he did actually really, really base it on um, the War of the Roses mm-hmm. in Tudor England, and English history is actually one of my like main specialties. Like all of my coworkers actually defer to me on anything to do with like English history and like British royal family history because it is my area of expertise. Sure. Um, second only to like. Uh, World War One turn of the century stuff is also like my really big thing um, that I can just go on about forever, but um, which is why I like Tolkien because that's cool. But um, he really did like super heavily influence. I actually show a, a TED Ed video which is like done by TED Talks to my students when I teach the War of the Roses to like, and it, it uses the characters of uh, Game of Thrones Very to explain cool. it because it's it's like copy pasted and like part of historians are like okay this is annoying like he messes with it just enough of like <laughs> or he, he he of course he's flipping it for his own perspective but you can say the same thing of you know shakespeare did that when he wrote mm-hmm. his whole like hollow crown series um i'm not a huge fan of shakespeare so <laughs> yeah. get in trouble with my english major friends on that one but <laughs> um uh so like i think it is really cool and he does that and the unreliable like narrator and flipping stuff like that is actually just a very common thing in in, in as you analyze history because oh, uh, sure. 
all history is primary source documents. And so, mm-hmm. you know, one of the first things I teach my students is bias of, okay, here's this document. Okay, who wrote this? Like, do some mm-hmm. research, figure it out. Like, what's a bias and what is this? Why would this person write this like this? Like, why is this Nazi party member writing that, you know, Hitler's the bee's knees and he's doing all <laughs> these great things. And then you have this other person, like just a normal person going, um, this dude's murdering people. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. so I think that is cool that if if Martin is doing that, that it is pretty similarly echoing. Like, oh yeah, this is what yeah. historians deal with constantly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he, he definitely does it on purpose for sure. I, I get a little annoyed with it only because like when you, you know, I feel like there's people who read a song of ice and fire and they're really in it for the, like the intrigue and such. I'm really in it for like, I want to figure out like what's going on with the magic because I'm a fucking neckbeard nerd. And I, I, I get real like excited when there's little like esoteric hints about weird, like Lovecraft references um, or when they're kind of like explaining what the, the magic is going on. And when there's really no solid answers as of yet, which is annoying because I, I want to know, but mm-hmm. often the the quest for the answer is, is more fun than the answer itself. So I, maybe he will answer it one day. Maybe it's disappointing, but he, um, uh, he, he so with the unre- unreliable narrator, they, he plays around with that a lot in a satisfying way, but, you never actually get things answered for certain, which is annoying as of now. And hopefully he pans it out correctly, but more than likely he's probably just going to die. And it's a moot point. Yeah. And you're just like, well, now <laughs> we're stuck with season eight of the show. Like, really? Like, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I God, it made me so mad. I, it's it was, to watch season eight. I would see like you on social media post about how annoyed you were about it. Yeah. My, brother has hbo through amazon and so he lent matt his password so it would be like and then i would be getting it from both like matt and my brother and like you at the same time so it was really funny but like really annoying and i was like okay i'm not at season eight yet guys like like i caught all the spoilers and i was like mm, yeah it's, like, it was bad well the, the thing that really slew me with um with how the show wrapped up I, i've had like my brother-in-law tell me this he said oh well i'm not even going to read the books now because we know how it's going to end and we know it's going to suck and i'm like no 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 it's not going to be that way don't you dare fucking tell me it's going to be that way i refuse to and not only do i truly believe it's not going to end that way if martin were to pull that shit i would what little shred of sanity i have left will snap and i, I it's not acceptable <laughs> Yeah, well, I think a lot of people get that because he did tell the writers, like, this is where I'm going to go with it. So I think that's what a lot of people are yeah. saying. And, yeah, well, I, and I then think you, that, you know, just because he's, I mean, I'm not entirely sure how much of that actually is true. Like, from what I understand, he gave them an outline of where he was going to go, but that does not mean that they followed it. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's there's some real big plot points from the books that they just straight up cut. So, yeah. you know. I mean, I mean that happens in, like, it, like it happens in Lord of the Rings all the time. We talked about it with Tom Bombadil, but like you see big plot points or big things. It happened in the Harry Potter movie series really pretty bad too, where you're just like, really? Did I ever tell you that I never read the last two books of Harry Potter? Really? Yeah. I, mean, I liked the sixth book. The sixth books was good. I heard, I heard they were like the best ones. I, and, you know, I don't know. I kind of like with your lemony snicket thing, I got tired of waiting when I was a kid for like book six. So I just kind of gave up on it and I never read six and seven. Yeah. I mean, that kind of like makes sense. I was like, cause you're a bit older than me. What, okay. This is weird. What year did you graduate? You and I, uh, 2010. Right. From right? you and I, yeah. 
from no, college? No, that's high school. <laughs> Shit. <I'm> not... <laughs> I was like, no, uh, no, 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 no. It's 2014, I believe. Okay, yeah. So you're about two years older than me. Yeah. So when book six and seven of Harry Potter were coming out for me, I was just getting to the point where, like, that was, like, my reading level and I could do a book that big. Sure. And so, like, I was just then getting caught up reading all of those. Um, so, like, that's why I probably appreciate them more um, than that. Whereas, like, Lemony Snicket, like, it was out. But I just didn't have the patience for it. And it's just not my type of, like, book. But I think you can do that with, like, any book series um, of, like, okay, I'm just I'm tired of waiting. And I just need to, like, you want to know, but you also, like, don't care enough anymore. Mm-hmm. So, because I have that with a couple other, like, series. I'm just like, mm, mm, is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> then is it worth me, like, spending my money? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's been a few times when we were talking about series that we enjoy, and I think your brother recommended to you um, The Name of the Wind, right? Yeah, my both my brother and my mom. Well, yeah, it's worth it. It's good. Well, the, you know, now we're just I'm I'm kind of again picking low hanging fruit here, but the author he only wrote he this is supposed to be like a seven book series, and he's only written two in the past like fourteen years, and he's like people are like where's book three? Where's book three? And it, it's a it's a become like a you know, such an easy thing to pick on the guy for that. It's not even fun to do anymore, but the, I will say those first two books are truly very, very good. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to get into us again, I know you, your, your stance on picking up series that aren't finished or have no, like, yeah. insight, so, you know, yeah. it's, I think it's worth it, but. I think I've been burned by like, uh, again, this is mass. Uh, she loves cliffhangers. And I've had so many like books and on cliffhangers. And I'm like, I have to sit here for an undetermined amount of time. And, like, hers I liked because, you know, I would know in a year from now I was getting, you know, the resolution to that cliffhanger. But, you know, other series, you know, when they just take their own, they're just piddle farting around. Um, Listen, I I teach high school. I have weird sayings that, you know, I can't say out loud. But, yeah, my brother really likes. So my brother and my mom were more, like, sci-fi fantasy. They were more hardcore into that. They also liked, like, Diana, or not Diana Wynne-Jones. I just looked at my Diana Wynne-Jones book. Um shoot dragon rider series question mark mm, i don't know and then, and then like all the wares of pern blanking on so the, oh, it's gonna irritate me like i can picture this on my mom's bookshelf but like they liked more stuff like that and so my mom's side of the family they're all more into that little hard fantasy i was more like mainstream not as like difficult into it so there was a couple books like yeah they wanted me to write or to read the mm-hmm. name of the wind and lies of Locke lamora which God, you, re- you really should read that book it's so, so we have a copy of it and matt actually went to go read it the other day because you know quarantine life and then he yeah. realized he packed it so uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that book is it's so worth it oh i love it yeah so they but they were like eh. they were like have matt read it first and then figure out if you want to read it because just like it, it might just be a little bit too, too <laughs> I, much I, for me. I true. Well, they. Um. I mean, I think one of the gimmicks of it, and like he, uh, Scott Lynch, um, who I met once briefly at a convention, and he signed my copy. He was a really cool, dude. He does this on purpose, where, um, he there's a like a, a bunch of cussing in it, like very vulgar, mm. very elaborate cussing. But he's doing it like on purpose. He's not trying to be cool with it. I think that's just kind of like. It's just a gimmick of the characters, you know? Okay. So 
some of the characters at least. And um, so maybe that's something that if you're not expecting it, it would kind of turn you off. But if you know that going into it and then you read it for like uh, for the, you know, if you look at it, the whole picture, it's so good. Um, I like don't notice cursing and stuff in books a lot just because I actually read really, really like quickly. Well, you'll, um, no, you'll notice it in this one. <laughs> you can't not. I think I've like read enough bad books that I'm just like, eh, okay, whatever, like moving on. Or like, I actually curse a lot in my like everyday life. So it's, oh, yeah. to me, it's like, eh, whatever. As, but, as I am currently right now. Did, did, <laughs> did Gore ever, um, I feel like he has to at this point. Did he ever tell you the story about Neonomicon? Uh, oh, is this was a Chicago? No, no. This is, this is a graphic novel that he purchased while we were still in the UNI days. Oh, jeez. I don't know. He's playing Halo, so I can't, like, yell at him and ask. <laughs> so he so back when we would go to the comic store all the time at UNI, uh, I, so there was a the, the gentleman who ran the store, his name was Rob, and he, like, really knew how to sell this book to Matt specifically because Matt was like, hey, I, wanna, I want you to give me uh, – I want you to pull out, like, the most messed up uh, graphic novel that you have. And he goes, oh, well, I got one here, but trust me, you don't want it. You do not want to read it. Don't buy this book. It's too fucked up. And Dora's like, here's my money. <laughs> so, and it was an Alan Moore graphic novel uh, playing into Cthulhu Lovecraftian stuff. And let me tell you, it was, it was pretty fucked up. And I read it and it, it like messed me up mentally for like a week. And it was, um, he, he, I think, I think Dora handled it better than I did. I was really like in a weird funk after reading it, but I he, mean, uh, he did that. Uh, have you heard the Matt Doordark from Jordy story? I don't think so. Okay, so Matt has this like intensely dark sense of humor. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does. And like, he he just doesn't let it out that much. Um, yeah. I mean, I see it again. I'm married to him, but uh, I guess there was one time that Jordy like said something that was like really messed up, and then Matt just like somehow made it worse. And he goes, "Dude, that was dark." And they like made this like they have this thing of like if you take it like super extra dark, it's Matt Doordark. Like you just take it. <laughs> Take it too far. I was like, that's I probably can, why I didn't like. I can totally see that. Yeah. Mess with, I had a, this is, this is a kind of like random side note, but like I had a student, um, I had my advanced placement kids make bad history valentines because that's who I am as a person. And one of my kids, I had, he's super quiet, had no idea he had a super dark sense of humor. <laughs> and he made me this one. And I like literally in front of, you know, a bunch of 16 year olds fell on the floor laughing and i just looked at this kid and i was like oh you went there and then he went open it up and he had an even worse one on the inside and i was like <laughs> speechless but like still trying to keep it together and be a professional but also like crying in front of kids and i brought it home to matt and magos give that kid an a plus like he loved it. i like threw it away now but um it was it was really dark and matt was like i want to meet this kid can i get a sample of it or is it too much Oh, I can't even remember it off the... I don't think I have a picture of it. It was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, but it was, like, as a historian, like, I read and see a bunch of very bad things, like, normally, so my dark sense of humor is pretty pretty there. But, yeah, even he was, like, I was, like, oh, shoot, okay. Okay, quiet kid in the corner. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta be careful of you. And then everyone's, like, oh, you didn't know he had a dark sense of humor? And I was, like, no, he doesn't talk. <laughs> so, it's... Clearly, I kind of miss teaching now that you know I haven't been back to work in a month now. Yeah. So yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm still working, but I don't miss my office because it's just 
me sitting there by myself. But maybe that'll change after I am taking care of the girls almost exclusively for an undetermined period of time. Well, I had like two spring breaks. So I had like a, a extra week after where it was like, okay, I didn't have to do any work. I had like one meeting in the past two weeks have just been like a whole bunch of meetings and like get your stuff together. Like this is what we're doing and everything just changes every day. So like it's all the unfun parts of my job without the like, I actually get to like tell kids cool things about history. Sure. And like we were on my favorite, like the end of the year is my favorite topics to talk about. So it really, really sucks that i don't get like be there but i don't miss dealing with kids attitudes because they've been absolute garbage this school year kids would suck i i don't know if i could ever keep my cool with kids i really don't i i mean teenagers i fucking hate teenagers so much you just like this is a shirt and it said like something like everyone thinks i'm funny but in reality i'm just mean and i sent it to like our whole department because like (laughs) we're we're really really bad sarcastic um we just dig each other all the time that's who we are as people and i love them but like the kids just think we're kidding and i'm like no anymore <laughs> this year it's been so bad that like i'm actually just being truthful just like saying it sarcastically <laughs> enough that the kids are like oh you're funny and i'm like <laughs> I'm you can't really you can't be telling the truth because if that's the truth then then I, my feelings are hurt yep but they don't know like they also just don't get my sarcasm half the time so you know sure. it's, it's fine but um yeah, this is the filter of like my care, especially because I knew I was like leaving at the end of this school year. So it's just like, mm, how much do I care? How much do I care if I get in trouble? For sure. Probably, I'm trying to think of like, care. I'm trying to think of other book related things I wanted to ask you. Well, um, I was, I was gonna say like, what's your least favorite like book or book series? Like book that you like literally threw because it's oh. garbage. Hmm. I have. Hmm. There's a there's actually a few um, there's one that comes to mind. I feel like the, I almost don't want to mention it just because I feel like it's such a small like this guy isn't even that big. Like people are I'm not saying that I'm a, I'm a hipster for reading it by no means. Like uh, are you familiar with the name Stephen Bruce at all? I've probably seen him in bookshelves okay. and bookstores. Yeah, I will. I, I was I would not have been aware of him if it weren't for me and Jordan uh, going to a Minneapolis sci-fi convention. It was Minicon 50. It was actually very fun. During that convention, I played Magic the Gathering against Brandon Sanderson, which we talked mm-hmm. about before. That was very fun. I ended up winning that tournament, and uh, me and him talked about like books. It was really, really fun. That was a great experience. Uh, and that's also where I met Scott Lynch, who wrote Lies of Blackmore. So there's also an author there named Stephen Bruce. And Jordan's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. He's kind of like a big deal, sort of, whatever. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, while I'm here, I'll pick up one of his paperbacks. He was talking about how this one book, it was called The Incrementalists, I believe it was called. You know, he said it was his favorite book he's ever written. He loved it, but it didn't get good reviews. And I'm like, well, you know, it's coming from the author's mouth. I bet it's got to be good. Oh, God, I hated every page of that book. And I, re- I read it all the way to the end. And at the end, I'm like, I really should have just given up on it. When I My gut feeling after like 50 pages was give up. But I'm like, well, just push through maybe it'll turn around and it was it was terrible i fucking hated it and i've i I almost would have thrown it away if it one i you know i'd feel bad if i threw a book away but also he did sign it for me so i'm like i still have it but it's it's, it was bad but how about you was there one that you have oh man i probably i'm like a serial like multi-book reader of like i have like four books probably going on right now and some others that i forgot um 
I think there was a book that a friend gave me or something called like the extravaganza or something. It was just some like probably like preteenish book a long, long time ago. And I remember like reading it and I was like 25 pages in and I was like, I'm so confused. This is so dumb. Like I can tell you how the ending's going to go. And I just like stopped reading it. And I was like, mm. there's probably other lots of other books that I've just like, I this do. Book, this book I do have, garbage. I do have another one that when you, um, that, I, that came to mind when you were talking. Are you familiar or have you heard of Steven Erickson at all? He writes the Malazan Books of the Fallen series. Again, I know the name. Yeah, he, that's a pretty he's a pretty popular name. It's a it's a pretty big like that's one of the books along with like Lies of La Camorra, Name mm-hmm. of the Wind, some Sanderson, George R. R. Martin. I believe you'll find his name in the um in the back of the player's handbook of Dungeons and Dragons. There's a couple of pages listed of like. Uh, we have to, or I forget what the exact wording is, but it's like, oh, if you want inspiration for your D&D related shit, read these novels. And I believe Steven Erickson is among those other big names as well. Hmm. And his books are, while they're very interesting, his whole gimmick with this series is that he's got a very strange, complex magical world, magic system that he just straight up never explains and you never know what the fuck is going on. And like that's oh, like the no. that's like the, that's like the allure. The allure is that no one knows, and like you're tr- like it's like a weird um masochistic approach to it almost, where like you just love that you're being treated like shit, and that you just don't understand anything. I'm like, why? Why would I? I, I read like half the book, and I'm like, man, this is not fun. Like I I don't need to be spoon fed everything, but shit, give me something. And it, yeah. it was just not it was just not enjoyable. I had no clue. And not not only was the magic system just incomprehensible but uh the characters there were so many of them and i had no idea what the fuck they were doing uh nothing was explained and like i said if you truly enjoy those books you have some sort of complex like a masochistic thing going on and i i don't get it so that's another one that i didn't finish yeah i actually was thinking i was like i just looked at my bookshelf too um this is a funny one that i didn't finish of i started reading the divergent series by veronica roth oh and I, this was actually when my mom was first like six. This was like 2013. And my, uh, I needed, I finished the first book while she, I was sitting in the hospital with her. She took me to Barnes and Noble afterwards and I bought the second one. And my second one was like, they had to get it from the back. And apparently it was a messed up copy. <laughs> and so I read halfway through, a, so what is the second book? Elite? No, Insurgent. And, um, all of a sudden the pages started repeating. <laughs> and so we went back to the store and they didn't have any more copies. They were like, yeah, we told this person not to give you this from the back, but we're super sorry. And I was like, well, whatever. And so I think I had to go to like a couple other stores or order them online. And I got the rest of the series and then I just never finished it. Sure. Because I think at that point, like the last book had just came out and people were super pissed at the ending and someone spoiled it for me. And I was like, okay great thanks like so i've never picked it back up just because like it was just frustrating from the get even without like the even before you like began really cracked into the series it was just a big frustration yeah it was just like mm, like first one great read it super fast again i read quickly but yeah i was in college too so that was over my christmas break in college my sophomore year and i mean it was a very stressful time my mom was in the hospital a lot and you know, mm-hmm. on top of this, I was like, God dang it. Um, <laughs> so dumb. 
But I was going to say that. I was going to say, what's a book series that at the time you were super into and now looking back on it, you are absolutely ashamed that you have read it and touched it and possibly even owned it. I love how Ooh. I have questions for you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I, Cause I, I had like basically no structure going into this. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that you did it being the guest. Um, like a, a book that I, I was into. Or a series. Uh, or, oh. um, Cause mine's hilarious. <laughs> you, you say yours and I might think of something. You're gonna love this. You can totally make fun of me for this for the rest of my life. Um, I was super, super into the Twilight series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you were either gonna say that or Fifty Shades. I'm like, it's, it's oh, one of those. No, three. like someone told me about it, and I realized that was all fan fiction. Like, I, I'm like fan fiction. There's some great fan fiction of various series out there. Um, not dissing fan fiction, but um, the fact that Fifty Shades of Grey is Twilight fan fiction. But I read. See, I was the target audience for twilight of like i was in like middle school when they came out and i had a friend get me into them and like all of my friends were super into it and we had a book club in middle school i was that kid who started a book club with my friends like sure. with the help of the librarian um <laughs> she was awesome but uh yeah super into them own all four of them i think one of them's like here because my mom was like sent it with me for some weird reason but um yeah really bad and then my brother dated a girl and she was she was like have you ever played the twilight game and this was now when i was like older high school and realized like how shitty they were and the movies were coming out <laughs> sure and i was like no what's this and she was an english major and she goes just open up this book to a random page and like she pointed out the really really terrible like sentence structure for it and like how bad it's written and then of course it's you know multiple signs of relationship abuse and yeah. um yeah. i think i mean yeah there's a lot but yeah i, I own them i i I've read them all. I have not watched all the movies, but like, I know like which team I was on. I had like shirts, and my friends and I were so into it. Um, and that's one of the reasons I've like, and I was very like open about it. So nowadays, like, I actually hold my like love of Sarah J. Mass pretty close to my chest because like, if you keep me talking about books, I'm gonna talk about it. But you know, I had we got made fun of for the Twilight thing for so long that I was just like. Mm. I'm just gonna sit here with my favorite book series and like <laughs> just in just in case i it becomes lame i'm not gonna let anybody know yeah um, sure you should you should tell lily that because she last time i checked she loved the twilight books so we, i should um we, i want her to undrink that kool-aid yeah i mean i was like on like stephanie meyer the author's like you know website all the time and like checking for updates as the movies are coming out and the cast and all of that um and it was like my mom was like you're so into this thing and i was like but it's so good and then i think she like <laughs> tried to pick it up and read it and of course my mom had like a law degree and was a judge and so she was like this is absolute garbage why are you reading this and I was like but it's good mom and then you know it took me like the movies coming out my freshman year sophomore year of high school and then myself actually being in a like emotionally abusive relationship at one point to realize like oh this is not cool like this yeah, is not it. okay yeah, and this like, sucks. This is Garbo. Yeah, and I think part of it was like, you know, you know, when you're a teen, you don't know like mm. those things are bad, but like mm -hmm. being in a relationship like that I was like, so you're glorifying these bad things, but I didn't know that they were bad because I'd read them in a book and I was like, Oh, this is great. This is love. And I was like, it, This might be a this might be a total aside, but it, that kind of harkens to like I don't know if you notice this, but I feel like there's a lot of young individuals and like i might be stereotyping here but a lot of young girls who um they really kind of idolize the relationship that the joker and harley quinn have like they really yeah isn't it like it's 
it's kind of the same thing. Like they, they really like this idea of they, they somehow have romanticized this like very like fucked up and abusive relationship where like, and I, I truly, I'm not going to pretend like I, I can understand the mind of a teenage girl or, or a younger girl or whatever, but somehow they like think that it's very cool and romantic to have that sort of relationship, whether it be your, your twilight or your like Harley Quinn Joker. And I, I just pray my girls don't become like that at some point. Cause it's, obviously it's not good and i just don't want them to think that's okay and diana will slap those books out of their hands um (laughs) but yeah no i've actually seen that too and i'm like that's really weird and like there is this awareness again i teach you know 10th grade so it's like 15 16 year olds of you know some people really like this harley quinn joker thing but i actually think it's really pushed by like the studios and like dc Mm. comics Mm -hmm. more heavily and then like you have a lot of kids going of like they're super mentally unstable. Like, yeah, why oh, yeah. are they yeah. together? Yeah. DC, I think, has gotten better about it. Like, when they first introduced it, they really, really played up on it. And then I think they kind of, like, smelled what they were stepping in. And they're like, oh, shit. We really got to we gotta do some damage control here. And they've done a lot of... um. And again, I, I haven't read a whole bunch of this particular brand of DC. I've done a lot more, like, Vertigo. Uh, like, yeah. real game and shit. But... They uh they've really tried making Harley Quinn more like independent and like distance herself from her like past with the Joker, which is a good thing. But I, I, yeah. for some reason, I, I know I have a, a younger cousin. Uh, she's I think she's a freshman or a sophomore in high school, and she last time I checked, she's like obsessed with the Joker and Harley Quinn's relationship. And I'm like, man, please just don't, please don't. It's bad. Yeah, I have like I know some people from like high school who of course are now my age, but like who did that? But I. I haven't seen a lot of it. Um, I mean, I don't have a lot of kids who are into comics and the area I teach in that is not, <laughs> I can barely get kids to read. So it doesn't really work like that. But um, I've seen it on like, cause I'm on Pinterest a lot and like the internet, but like it was like a Tumblr thing. And then people were like, no, this is bad. Don't do this. Like, exactly. um, and then I think the birds of prey movie really, really helped that like point out that like it is a problematic relationship. Cause yeah. that is all female and everything. And apparently birds of prey is a very good movie. I have not watched it. I heard it was good. I haven't had the opportunity yet, but I heard it was decent. I was really turned off by like the name. Do you remember what the name was? It was like the fantabulous misadventures of Miss One Harley Quinn. And I'm like, oh, God, that just sounds fucking gross. Sounds like a Fall Out Boy song title. Um, <laughs> sorry, my little emotasticness comes out a lot. Um, Back but... to, your que- to your question, though, I don't know if there's really ever been a series of books or like a book that I was like really into that looking back on it, I like am cringe. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, this isn't necessarily like a book thing, but I was like a total Yu-Gi-Oh kid. And I'm, I, I kind, I kind of like looking back on it. I was really cringy with like how much I wouldn't shut the fuck up about it, but you know, card games in and of themselves are fine. But if you're an annoying little punk, then it's, that's when it becomes bad. Which I was. <sighs> This is me going, oh, we would have been friends growing up because, like, all of my guy friends and stuff played, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! And I collected Pokemon cards myself. And I was just oh, like, yeah. and all of my um, high school friends played Magic the Gathering in high school band every day after school. And so that's actually how I know Magic and what it is. Mm-hmm. Because, like, my friends did it. And actually, a lot of those friends were at our wedding, actually. Um, okay. And when they knew that, like, I was having board games. I was like, you can bring your own if you want. Cause I also play board games. And then I said, but please don't bring D and D like <laughs> don't do this and no magic. Cause you get too loud. And they were like 
seriously? And I was like, seriously, like, yeah, well, I just you, don't want you yelling in the middle of my And they're like, okay, exactly. fine, but you have to play magic with us some other time. I was like, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you end up busting out like D&D or magic, like the night of the, re- of the reception or uh, the, the night before the ceremony and reception, then it's going to like, no one will get any sleep. And that, that's where the real issue is. Yeah. And they're um, pretty into it. So for sure. Um, I don't think I have any other questions. Oh, I mean, I got, <sighs> okay. I mean, you said we we're going to do books. And so I, you know, I've got time on my hands. Hey, um, I'm, I'm glad you did because I, I came in here with zero structure. So I'm glad that someone did. <laughs> I'm a teacher. Structure is my life. Um, <laughs> what I was trying to think of like, what is one book as like a kid that like really like blew your mind and like, Ooh, okay you like change your perspective i have two of these of like okay. like change your perspective on it and like that you don't like that if someone's like what book should you read or like i had younger girl cousins and so like every year for christmas i would give them a book that like changed me and so i would give it to them because i was like you need to read this because it'll open your mind to this like do you have one of those okay i'm glad that's a very good question and this is one that i actually have an answer right off <laughs> so um this this is a this might not be the answer that you're like, not that you're wanting a particular answer, but this is maybe a little bit of skew of what uh, you would anticipate. But so when I was going into eighth grade, I was very much in like, you know, I feel like you probably got a little more intense with it, but I was, I feel like a lot of like young nerdy boys get into Greek mythology to a degree. Cause mm-hmm. it's a, it's a fun, like, you know, it's pretty fantasy esque. It's pretty nerdy. It's, um, oh, yeah, it's, super nerdy. It's, 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 yeah, it's all in that like lexicon. Yeah. And so I was, I was in the public library in Cascade where I had, I was going to school at that point. And I'm like, well, I want to find a book on Greek mythology just to fi- find something to read. I found a book called Ilium, which was, I, I did not know this, but it was a sci-fi book written by Dan Simmons. And I don't know if you didn't know Dan Simmons at all, but I love Dan Simmons because of this. Uh-huh. Um, it's definitely, it was written for like adults. It was very adult situation. It was not meant for middle schoolers by any means. Um, but in my head, I'm like, oh, this is like some cool, fun, like Percy Jackson-esque shit. And um, that book really, really opened me into thinking of um, things I had never thought before. They they talked to, you know, I've never read a book that mature at that point. I had never read a book that had all the, I never thought of any of these concepts at that point from that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very like sci-fi concepts. Um, and also just a lot of the, not even just the concepts of like the, the fun nerdiness of it, but even just like the interpersonal relationships and plot. I had never considered any of those things before. Yeah. And that, that was very, very cool. So again, this isn't going to be a book that I'm recommending to a seventh grader. But I read this book in seventh grade and I distinctly remember being like, I am not the same anymore after reading this. Like I, it broadened my perspective. So that's nice. that. Yeah. Ilium by Dan Sim. And Dan, he's, he's a, uh, hasn't come out with a lot of stuff lately, but his sci-fi, while there isn't a lot of it, it's choice. Uh, the Hyperion series was, was a big one for me. Oh yeah. Nights. I know Hyperion. I was like, why do I know this guy's name? Yeah, dude, fucking, dude Hyperion is so awesome and metal. I love it. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've always been. If you want mythology context, again, my first name being Diana is she's the Roman goddess of the moon and hunting. And I remember like when you had to research your name and like or like just going through the dictionary in third grade and finding out my name was in the thing. I got super in mythology ever since I've been a kid. Um, 
it's probably also I'm a huge history nerd, so like it goes in hand in hand with it. My nickname for a lot of things has been Artemis because that's sure. the Greek sure. version of it. And I do actually I literally do archery. It's like in my dad's basement. Sure. Um, it's pretty fun, uh, which Matt also does. But mine is actually also from seventh grade, but it is more seventh grade reading level. Um, I read one book. This was actually like the the book club my friends and I started. Our librarian had us read a book called Elsewhere. And, like, as a kid who grew up, like, in the Christian tradition, like, pretty heavily in the church. And that sounds um, really familiar. Elsewhere. I can't remember who it's by. It's so good. The pictures, uh, the, I can tell you what the cover looks like, and it's a snow globe with, like, a little house inside of it. Man, that, that's really ringing some bell, but keep going. <sighs> okay, so good. But, like, you know, if you're raised specifically in the, like, Judeo-Christian tradition of, like, you know, there's heaven and there's hell, and when you mm-hmm. die, you go to heaven, or, you know, if you were bad, you go to hell. In Elsewhere, like, the character dies, and they you know, it's all about death, but they go to elsewhere and it's, it's more or less like Indian Hindu idea of like rebirth where like you age backwards until you were, you know, you go back to earth and you do all these things, but the character is like a 14 year old girl who was killed by accident. So you're just like, and as she's dealing with all these things, but it, it blew my mind as a kid because it's like, Oh, there's something, there could be something different than, you know, this like normal concept of, you know, heaven and hell and all these things and so it sure. was such a good book it was very well um i mean it's been years and years since i read this but super well written um and then another one i can't remember if i read the seventh grade or eighth grade and actually um i said earlier like my mom if you left a book on like the sofa or something or the table she'd pick it up and she'd read it she read this one too and she started crying reading this because like it's pretty intense and it's by Laurie Hulse Anderson and it's called speak and an ironic twilight connection in the movie of speak. The main character is played by uh, shoot who the person who plays Bella in the twilight series. Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Kristen Stewart. She plays it much better in speak than in twilight, but whatever. Sure. Oh, because it actually fits the character, but in speak, it's actually about this girl who went from eighth grade into ninth grade and how over the summer she was sexually assaulted, but didn't, tell anyone and how her parents like didn't notice that she was you know starting to like kind of like self-harm and like other Mm -hmm. things and she just wasn't speaking she wasn't talking and she wouldn't tell anyone and you know she's living with all these things and i think like as a young woman like the whole message of the story is like you have a right to you need to speak up because like you you're important and like your perspective and you can't heal until you you know say something and Mm -hmm. ask for help and I actually made my two younger cousins as they went from eighth grade into ninth grade. I had them read that because I was like, this can happen to, you know, anyone, boy or girl. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and, it, and it's very well written. And then Lori Hall Sanderson has a couple other really good books, too, like Winter Girls. And they deal with, um, you know, those ones are really impactful just as like a mental health type of perspective of, you know, like do these things and it's cool um i actually heard an interview with that author on npr not too long ago and i was like where you know she wrote speak actually based on her own um experience actually and i was like oh that's oh. really sad but like yeah really well, glad like, she wrote that book but yeah those two books were really like changing oh for sure i can, I can only imagine and you know with um definitely you, you hate to hear that people have gone through anything like that i you know at the very least, though, she made that book, and I'm sure it's done a lot more good. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, done, it's done a lot of good, you know. Um, yeah, it's 
it's really, but my mom was like reading it too. And she was just like, cause my mom, you know, dealt with mental health cases and like child sure. abuse cases is like sure. from her job. And she was like, how did the parents not know? And that's why my mom was like crying because like, you know, some of the things like the character did either like, you know, I had a tendency to do it or something like that. She's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, here, I have one question for you. And then at, and then after we were, you know, we can, we can go on about it for a while, but then I think I might, I might need to call it after that. But, um, because I, I, I was taking this from your, your, uh, previous question. It's not quite in the same vein though, but not so much a book that's changed you or like broadened your perspective, but is there any book, a, a couple of books or one singular book that has been the most influential on you in terms of like your taste, in terms of, um, like, you know, what you prefer as like media or like for me, how I run like a game of D and D even, uh, is there any like most influential book you can pick out of all of them? I think, uh, I guess I have them for like each like time period of my life of like middle school, high school, you know, young adult into college. And I think, you know, like elsewhere in speak were me going into high school. And then I read a lot of like Sarah Dessen and like authors who talked about like real issues, like, there are more true life stories than the fantasy sci-fi type stuff. And then um, I'm trying to think what I read in high school. I read a lot of classical novels, actually like Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen type stuff in mm. high school. So um, I did, you know, that and you can like really mark these as like my time periods of like even how I dressed and the style I liked of like I liked more vintage clothes at that time and sure. stuff like that. Um, and I think just more recently, it really is like Sarah J. Mass series of like, and Cassandra Clare's like Shadowhunter series because I started reading those my freshman year in college and then you know you know all of the turmoil of college and boyfriends and that and then you know eventually you know meeting my now husband of you know all those that really impacted my life of you know I really like assassin type novels because of the main character being this really strong person but also like she's very protective of her friends and like she will self-sacrifice a lot and I think I related to that on a level because like I do that just like normally um but not, you know, to an extent of, you know, I'm a badass assassin. But uh, <laughs> well, I her... mean, that that's what a badass assassin would say is that you're not one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just a great assassin. That's what my students have said. <laughs> I'm an okay assassin. And then, <laughs> and then in her like other series, uh, which is called uh, A Court of Thorn and Roses, it needs a shorter title, but that's the title. <laughs> um, the main character, she's Sarah J. Mass, is very very good at writing. Um, mental health struggles due to like trauma she's very good at like very um accurately portraying like trauma struggles and i think um that one was really really interesting to me and like i related to that other that main character a lot more than you know selena aileen in throne of glass because you know she, she was just more relatable and i think um i'm very big into quotes and stuff too so like those quotes like from a court of thorn and roses and stuff have helped me get through a lot of the trauma of, you know, my mom passing away and stuff like that. So I think that's really do it. And that's why I like assassins and how that's how I would play my D and D character. And I think those are cool. And then the Cassandra Clare series, I've always thought angels were pretty cool. So like that type of thing and demons and stuff like that. So cool. yeah. yeah, I don't know if that was deeper than you wanted, but like, <laughs> like I'm perfect. so into Sarah J Mass and some of these quotes, I'm literally considering getting them tattooed on my body and was actually going to get a tattoo for my birthday. And then I didn't. So <laughs> yeah, no, and then go boy, it happened. So yeah, like no two bad. days after my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, 
Yeah, I I have a few that I can think of. If I'm going like way back to my childhood, just how they shaped my tastes for things going forward. Um, I think I think the root of my fantasy love came from the Redwall series by Brian Jakes. Oh, God, I have a funny Redwall story when you. After I, I, done. I was really hoping you'd know Redwall. I was really because a lot of people my don't know Redwall. So into Redwall, dude. I fucking love Redwall. It's so cool. Like I, that was right up my, my alley. I remember I um the first one I read was The Legend of Luke, which was kind of a an odder one of the like. 40 novels that he wrote but I, I read it in second grade which is a, like i'm not trying to like flex on me reading a big book when i was young because like you know clearly you've done that too it, it was <laughs> yeah. I, and a lot like, quite honestly a lot of it went over my head when i was in second grade but i really liked the ideas of like the medieval animals mm-hmm. having their little uh fantasy romp around but but then I, I i stuck to it and i kept reading them and eventually i became like you know an appropriate age where i did understand everything and I, I love those books. So that really shaped my like uh, uh, my love for like fantasy. But then I also was really, really and I, looking back on it now, I didn't realize how much I was into horror as a kid. And then um, I, I really enjoy horror movies and books. And um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the scary stories you tell in the dark books. Apparently, like I'm pretty that and Goosebumps. I I loved Goosebumps when I was a kid. And I, I really do place my um, I place that as the root for my love of like horror movies and books to this day from, from that, uh, you know, again, not trying to like flex on like me being tough or anything, but I remember everyone's like, Oh my God, I can't read the scary stories books. Cause they're fucked up. I'm like, dude, I, I, I love them because they're so weird and scary. Like that's the, that's the whole point. Right. Like it's fun in my, to be scared. Yeah. Uh, okay. So two funny red wall stories. First off, yeah. give me the red wall stories. Okay. So there's actually a Redwall like play slash musical. What? And I was in it. What? And, and it was actually such a big deal because like it had like so few people ever did this thing that like it, on like the Brian J- Jake's jocks like fan bases they would always like publish if someone did it and when the like choir slash my hometown did it so this is in Iowa just for context. Oh my god. Um. I think I was in I actually was in high school when we did it. Like I was like a sophomore in high school, so I was like over it. I never read read while they were my brother series. It's one of the reasons I didn't read them is because you know it was his thing. I didn't sure. want to be like it, and he wouldn't let me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I played a character in Redwall. I played a squirrel. Oh, um, God, that's amazing. Um, I still have the tail and like the like downstairs. <laughs> it was like this straight tail that we had to do, and we had to sing in Old English, and it was really hard because <laughs> Old English is super rough. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever go back far enough into my Facebook, if you want kicks and giggles, uh, there's pictures of me dressed up for this thing, and, like, I didn't like it, and, like, our town thought it was, like, dumb, but I think we had, like, a grant or something to do it, but, yeah, so I was in a Redwall play musical. That is so fucking cool. Yeah, oh, I, played a, I played a squirrel, and, like, mom, I had, like, one solo, and our irony of irony is there was the little girl who played my, like, daughter in this thing i'm using air quotes um she's super cute she was such a sweet kid um she's now like a senior in high school or like a freshman in college and i was like oh this makes me feel so old like (laughs) she was like in like fourth or fifth grade and just like absolutely adorable at the time um but yeah we had like adults in it we had to learn how to do stage fighting because there was fighting in it um it was super weird Um, i think it was called redwall abbey well, I, that's something dumb like that. Man, that is um, interesting. I did not know that there was like an actual play of it. Like I, I read. It's not good. 
but I mean, yes. <laughs> I read like the first like 14 novels of it, I'm pretty sure. And man, that is so cool. Yeah, my brother had them like all downstairs. My brother was in college when I did this. I think it was his like freshman year of college. And so he didn't do it. But even he was like, I would have liked that when I was younger. But like the fact that we were so much older was like, mm, we had like sure. outgrown it and done other things. So yeah, I was in a Redwall play. And my brother used to scare me by reading me scary stories to tell in the dark. But I just always thought they were dumb. Oh, man, I, they, were, they were cool. I loved them. I think I would just like figure stuff out or just was like, whatever. <laughs> so I, I think you know. the appeal to those stories were like they were, um, you know, they were just a little bit too real when it came to like, a ki- and I think I've even told you about this with like when I was losing sleep mm-hmm. uh, and I had to wake up and feed my daughters where I would just kind of like mine. Obviously I have a very active imagination and like, I would just let my, my lack of uh, lack of rest and sleep couple with my like, just bad nightmare imagination self and that that book kind of bled into like you know this is the shit that you think wouldn't that be terrifying if this did happen mm-hmm. um like and the the very famous one is like the weird do you remember the scarecrow story that they yeah like, like Harold? yeah like that one really like freaked me out when i was a kid but i loved it and i think that's why it appealed to me so much it was like no this is the shit that like i get scared about when i'm like in the dark by myself thinking about shit and that's why i like those books so much when I was yeah I think I always I was like thought like worse stuff than that, so that's why I was like, yeah, this is nothing, <laughs> like whatever, like it was an overactive imagination, and I mean, I still do, so. <laughs> For sure. There's that. Um, do you have any any uh, closing comments or any sort of um, like, I guess if, if there's anything you want to like plug, you totally could, but I'm not gonna give any guarantees that anybody, uh, you know, me boosting your clout from from this show. It's a pretty pretty uh, underground hipster thing. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, read Sarah J. Mass. She's a wonderful author. It is technically YA, but not really. I really hate the label of YA anymore because I, you know, why are you about that? Um, I mean, I kind of want to be a young adult li- librarian, but I also might be a different type of librarian. So there's a, that. Um, I've actually literally almost pulled into a Ben and Jerry's one time because there's a Ben and Jerry's store on our way home from the grocery store. And I was by myself and the chick behind the counter was reading throne of glass and i almost like straight up like turned and i was like what do you think how do you like it because like i'm so into it um and a lot of people don't it's not very mainstream which i'm cool with uh mm-hmm. but it's just so well written and if you like fantasy and lord of the rings and you like strong female protagonists who are also like you want to come through the book and murder them and her writing in both of her series has made me like yell out while reading it. And I'm very good at disassociating. So like the fact that I've like screamed no before, uh, that's pretty, it's pretty big. Yeah. I have every first edition of all of those books and I have the two collector's editions now. And I have like a coloring book and like, I'm intense about it. I have artwork of it in my classroom. Like super into it, but just read it. Like you gotta tell me what you think. The throne of glass is a good starter one, but like the rest of it, it just gets twisty, turny cliffhangery from, Okay. From there on, like. You so you'd know. say you you'd say you like it. That's <laughs> what you're telling me. Giant fangirl, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of like good books, and you know, expanding your horizons is always good. And you know, to people who like, oh, I don't like reading. This chick's going on about reading. I'm gonna tell you what I tell my students is graphic novels are reading. There's a cool app called Webtoon, and there's some great, uh, you know, indie artist driven 
you know, comics on there. And they even have another book that I read that they're actually tra- – that's a actual published young adult book they're flipping into mm-hmm. a graphic novel format. Graphic novels are reading. Audiobooks are great. Mm-hmm. I personally don't like audiobooks because I read faster than them, so they actually put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, no, reading's, reading's great. I'm a giant nerd. Uh, reading, reading is dope. Um, yeah. And, obviously, use if you ever – if Matt ever convinces you to do it, use that inspiration, play some D&D. I, one, I think the reason why I like D&D so much is that it gives you a chance to help create, like, you know, I, you know, I feel like a lot of people of our uh, particular mindset might have had aspirations to, like, write a novel or a story or whatever. And I've tried my hand at it over the mm-hmm. years, and I come to find out I'm not good at it. And quite honestly, don't particularly write. I don't particularly enjoy writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoy writing in short bursts, but not like in a novel format. So Dungeons and Dragons is a very good um, proxy to doing that, where you're kind of coming up with it collectively with friends. Um, it, it's about the closest you can get to both writing and like living in a fun fantasy nerd novel. If you hit yeah. it in the right spots, you're, that's about as good as you're going to get. And it can be very fun, rewarding if that's what you're looking for. So I think you'd enjoy it if you, um, if you ever get the time to do it. Yeah, I think so. I think I'd like to pay it like in person or something sometime first before like doing it's it al- online. It's always, but... it's always in person. That's just... But I mean, we, I mean, quarantine life. So maybe when yeah. we get up to uh, where you're at, whenever. <laughs> hey, whenever you, whenever you guys are out here, I'll totally, I'll start, I'll start a campaign and I bet you can convince Lily to play too. I've been trying to get her to play for years and she, doesn't want to, but yeah, Matt, Matt's trying to use this time to get me to play like any sort of video game because I also <laughs> just don't play any video games of any sort. Um, and I don't like it. Like it's not enjoyable to me. Um, so he, he's trying to convince me, but the one way he had of convincing failed. So <laughs> it happened, but yeah, I guess that's what I got. You can, we'll drag you to my dad's house sometime when we're up there and, uh, you can see my dad's massive book collection and, Maybe my dad will score you a copy of the book he's actually written. It's not fiction, but my dad hey, is a pub- published author. Uh, uh, I have respect for that. That's very cool. <laughs> he's on book two right now. That's what he's using his retirement to write. It's <laughs> pretty dope. Yep. If you like Sweet. the Civil War, it's great. Um, oh, I read it. It's all. I mean, I actually haven't read it, and I don't even. I think my copy someone else borrowed. It. <laughs> <laughs> but there's that. Um, I guess my one last thing is: Did you still want to see, see Zeus? Oh yeah. Okay. Hold on, let me turn on the camera. I don't know if you want to stop recording. I have to go find him. <laughs> Hold on. There's my face. There's your face. Hi, Diana. Hey, Matt, you know where Zeus is? Diana just left, but I think I can see me in some of the pictures of her background because it's, yep, it's their wedding of which I was the officiant. Oh, boy. Can you see him? Oh, I can see him. Oh, he's a, he's a thick boy. Mm-hmm. He's like the size. I don't know if you can see my torso. He's like the size of my torso, and I'm he's, like. Big. He is really. He. I mean, like, I know my babies are babies, but he's he's definitely bigger than either of my babies for sure. Mhm. He's. I just woke him up from a nap. So he's like, okay. <laughs> I feel like koala hugs me. Can Matt hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Hi, door. Hey Luke. How's it going, buddy? It's going. You you need to get Diane to play D and D. I know. 
I just need a campaign where she can fit into. If when you guys come up to Dubuque, I totally DM for it. Sure. You gotta convince Lily to do it too, though. Want to say hi to someone here? Yeah, that, that, that'd be Diana Gold. <laughs> oh, there's a pretty kitty. Yep, this is Hera. This is Matt's cat. Even though she was a hoe this morning. She's got white mitts, just like Tippy. Yeah, so Hera's got long socks in the back and little short ones in the front. <laughs> and she has a donut collar. And Zeus is a sushi. To quote, to quote Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys, that's a good fucking kitty right there. <laughs> I also not watch that because Matt. <laughs> I, I have a very odd sense of humor, Matt. Here's your cast. JC, come on. <laughs> JC, what, what's your problem? Can you hear, hear JC freaking out? Yes. Yeah, that's that's probably my cue to, to do something. I don't know what the have, fuck I have to do, but... Uh, go for a walk. Uh, uh, I don't know. Got to beat some sense into her. Just kidding. I would never do that. Yeah, probably. Matt and I are gonna watch Mayans or something, or finish watching Castlevania. So. Is Castlevania good? Yes. Okay. I Matt, I should watch it. Good? Matt loves it's it's one of your favorite games. It's like top ten of your favorite games. Okay, it's his favorite series of video games, and the anime is... I really like the anime, I of course. So. JC. JC? Fuck off. Shut up. Alright. Um, well, thanks for being on, Diana. I, I had a good time. Yeah, God. Finish it's... reading the freaking book, Luke. <laughs> one of these days. But... One of them. Or I'm never going to let you meet the Chonky Boy. <laughs> cool. All right, I'll catch you later. I got to take care of this crazy night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bye-bye.